Welcome to the latest edition of our Fixed Interest podcast series. My name's Tony Stringer and I'm a Managing Director in Fitch's Global Sovereigns Group. I'm joined today by Erica Rees-Bay, a senior member of our Emerging Europe team and our primary analyst on the Russia Sovereign Rating. Eric, you recently reviewed the Russia Sovereign Rating and Fitch affirmed it at triple B- with a positive outlook. What were the key drivers of that decision? And in the light of ongoing sanctions risk, why does Fitch still feel comfortable having a positive outlook on the rating? Thank you, Tony. Uh, I think it boils down to politics. The credit drivers we identified when we first assigned the positive outlook in September 2017 continue to perform in line or surpass our expectations in terms of fiscal and external credit metrics, as well as our assessment of policy framework. Compared to our previous baseline, we have a lower debt, a stronger current account surplus, instead of the uh, fiscal surpluses, instead of deficits, a stronger non-sovereign foreign asset position, and a much stronger external creditor position for the country. Oil is part of the story, but not all of the story. Russia has reduced its vulnerability to financial and oil price volatility, and this has been supported by a more flexible exchange rate. The country continues to be committed to inflation targeting and continues to build up a record of monetary policy independence. Also, the fiscal rule has delivered a return to surpluses, and we expect the government to continue to adhere to this over the forecast period. It is important to keep in mind that each of these policy elements has been tested. First, by the depreciation of the currency we saw in 2018 as a result of higher sanction risk and reduced correlation with oil prices. We have also seen the central bank demonstrating its commitment to sustainably lowering inflation and bringing it close to its target level of 4%. Finally, we have seen that in spite of higher oil prices, the government has maintained a prudent fiscal strategy based on a conservative oil price guideline. This mix provides two important factors which come in combination are unprecedented in terms of Russia's credit history. We have the strong balance sheet, but also we have an improved macroeconomic policy and performance in relation to double, triple V peers. Of course, this is a typical story, given that we have to focus a lot also on what is happening in Washington because of the increased risk of sanctions. Great lead into the next question. Given all the noise around sanctions, what kind of actions, if any, are you expecting next from the US authorities? And what could the implications be for the Russian sovereign rating, particularly if any new sanctions relate to its sovereign debt? As, as you can imagine, this is a very popular question that we have been receiving. I guess for us, the key challenge is try to incorporate sanctions in our analysis in a context where sanction policy is very uncertain in terms of the type, scope, and timing, as well as the actual application when sanctions get outlined. In addition, the triggers that can lead to further tightening of sanction have multiplied in recent years and now are not even dependent of the dynamic of relationship between the US and Russia. In early February, we have the Senate bill named Defending American Security from Kremlin Aggression Act, or DASCA, which is the second version of what was known as the Bill from Hell. And uh, looking at the text of the bill, it points out that certainly new sovereign debt is target, as well as sectors of the economy such as energy and IT. It is important to mention, though, that this new version 
reduces the scope of impact on the financial sector, as it not only mentions now only state-owned banks, but focuses or narrows it down to banks that are involved in election interference, focusing strictly on the targeting or sanctioning of new Russian sovereign debt or preventing U.S. investors from holding new Russian sovereign debt. We believe that Russia has the flexibility to adjust its financing strategy in order to absorb reduced demand and increase in financing costs. The sovereign has low debt, has manageable amortizations, has also cash buffers that it can utilize, and also has some demand in the local market for local actors. We believe that this combination gives the government the flexibility to decide when and how to tap domestic market. Now, we don't want to dismiss the impact of sanctions on the Russian economy. As a matter of fact, our quantitative analysis or sovereign rating model provides Russia an, a score equivalent to triple B. So currently, we are already detracting one notch because of this increased geopolitical and sanction risk. We can also argue that given the very strong external and fiscal accounts, this strength is being partly mitigated by the risk of financing flexibility both for the sovereign and external financing side. But at this point, we believe that the main victim of sanction risk or the imposition of additional sanctions will be economic growth. The reform agenda of the government, plus the prospects of a stronger policy framework delivering improved macroeconomic stability, is partly undermined by this risk of sanctions, this uncertainty that could deter investment prospects in the economy. Okay. So you, you mentioned there a number of key credit strengths that Russia has um, that helps it to mitigate perhaps some of those sanctions risks. Specifically, we've talked a lot in recent reviews about the improved economic policy framework. Um, just how important a factor is that in our overall credit view of the Russian sovereign? Certainly, policy credibility plays a central role, and this is backed by a very strong sovereign and external balance sheet. We have to keep in mind that we decided to maintain Russia at investment grade and affirm this in early in late 2016. We highlighted the quality, consistency and credibility of the policy response of Russia to the oil shock as well as the sanctions that were imposed in 2014-15. So certainly since then, what we've seen is the policy framework is strengthening and becoming more credible as we discussed not only on the fiscal side, but also on the monetary policy side. So further sanctions that will lead to increased financial instability could be absorbed first by a more flexible exchange rate. And then these, uh, the adjustments that are possible to be made in terms of the FX intervention program by the authorities could be carried out in order to avoid heightening or increase exchange rate volatility. We also expect the central bank to react, as they did in 2018, if inflationary risks are on the rise derived from this financial market's volatility. Finally, we believe that any impact on the financial sector could be accommodated, first, by the support the central bank could provide in terms of liquidity, both in foreign currency and local currency. And we already saw that, of course, play out during 2014-15 crisis. Also, some regulatory forbearance could be forthcoming. It is important to mention, though, that not only the banks, but also corporates in Russia have reduced their dependence on external financing, and this can be seen as the continued reduction in net external debt for the country as a whole. We believe that, that for Russia, policy framework will continue to be tested as other emerging markets because of volatility of commodity prices, 
and tightening financing conditions and this idiosyncratic risk of sanctions. But we believe that Russia's balance sheet and credibility could mitigate the impact of uh, financial markets volatility on the progress made on macroeconomic stability. Final question, Eric. We've now had the positive outlook on the rating for around 18 months. What are the key issues that will determine whether we ultimately upgrade the rating? And can you provide any guidance on the potential timing for us to resolve the outlook? We're scheduled to review Russia's rating in early August. We'll probably resolve the outlook then, given that we first assigned the positive outlook in September 2017. Given the news we got in early February from the US Senate, it is quite possible that by then we would have been seen movement in terms of the final form of the sanctions bill, as well as its implementation from the executive side, and we will able also to assess the near-term impact in Russia's economy, as well as the policy response to this financial market volatility. So in order to move ahead with the upgrade, we would like to see continued improvement in terms of macroeconomic stability and to be maintained in spite of this increased risk aversion for emerging markets, commodity price volatility, and in the case of Russia, heightened sanction risk. In the event that oil prices continue to remain above the very conservative budget outline by the government, we also expect then continued strengthening of external and fiscal buffers. Out of these triggers, probably, the one that remains more complicated is seeing actual improvement in terms of growth prospects, given that the agenda provided by the government in terms of reforms will be weighed down by this uncertainty regarding future course of sanctions. It is important to mention, though, that Russia was rated above the current level for a number of years between 2005 and 2015. And at this time, we think that in spite of this idiosyncratic risk regarding sanctions, we have a strengthened policy framework, the flexibility to absorb shocks, as well as a very strong external and fiscal balance sheets. Thanks for those insights, Eric, and thank you for listening. You can access the most recent Rating Action Commentary on Russia, dated 15th of February, along with our other sovereign research on Fitch's website. We hope you join us for the next edition of Fixed Interest.